Hi, my name is Joshua David, and this morning I'm so happy that you have tuned in, and it's my belief that God is going to speak to you at the point of your need. This morning I spoke about that how Christ has not only redeemed us from sin or the pit of hell, but He has reconciled us to Himself. And there is a power when we get reconciled to Christ, we walk free of our old nature, walk free of guilt, shame, and pain and sorrows. And every effect of sin just minimizes before the supremacy of Christ. So as you ponder over this message and learn from the scriptures, may your life never be the same again. Thank you once again for tuning in. May God bless you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Are we good to roll? Hallelujah. Wow, there we go. Thank you so much. What a joy it is to be here tonight. Are you happy? Yes. Look to someone and say, I'm so blessed that you're here tonight. You know, whenever we come into meetings like this, we should always come with an expectant heart. We should come expecting something from the Lord. I tell you, nothing moves the heart of God more than human expectation. One day I was asking, Lord, Lord, why did you choose to be born at that particular time and season? There were virgins all generations. Why did you just choose that particular time and season? And Lord showed me in the scripture that people were expecting Messiah. You know, all throughout the scripture you will find every time any human being put his expectation on God, heavens responded. So tonight as you sit, sit with an earnest expectation, the Lord would meet you at the point of your need. See, meetings are good, singing and celebrations are good, but if you don't connect with Jesus, then you have just had a good time. But once we connect with Jesus, we are no longer the same. Hallelujah. You know, last week as I ministered here, how many of you were here last week? Yes. Amen. So you know what the word that the Lord gave me to share with you, that how God really has set us free from living under the bondage of our evil thoughts and our, our feelings. And God brings us into freedom. You know, but while I was preaching, I also gave a word of knowledge about how Lord wanted to heal people with bone problems and skin conditions. You remember that? Well, this week, like yesterday when I came, uh, I came to uh, Pastor Kevin's office and um, there was this lady, Marcella. Would you come out? You know, I would let her tell her story to you. Come on. You know, I, uh, I ran into Pastor Kevin, Pastor Joshua, after a prayer room set, and I had to tell him, witnessed him what happened to me on Sunday. I, we couldn't make it. Obviously, I'm seven months pregnant now. Um, but I woke up with this really bad pain on the side of my, it was like my ligaments, and I just even couldn't walk or carry the babies much. And so... I sat down to have breakfast, and I turned on a broom. Um, we were going to watch it as a family. So I'm eating breakfast, and I'm listening to Pastor Josh, and he starts saying, I have a word of knowledge on healing. 
And he said this. He said, healing is your right this morning. And that just caught my attention, and it brought up my expectation. And I was like, healing's my right. Like, he's going to pray. So he starts praying for bones and ligaments. And one of my girls who's staying with us the night gets up. Camille is her name. And she comes up, she lays her hand on me, and we both start just weeping. And she's like, you're going to get healed. And I was like, I'm going to get healed. So I get up. And I have no pain. And I have a two-year-old toddler who's running, and he's saying, hold you, hold you. And so I hold him, and we're like, we're going to test this out. I hold him, and there's no more pain. So what's wild is right after, he prays for skin. And she turns around afterwards, and she had this big eczema patch of white on her arm. And she starts crying, and she says, look, the patch is gone. <laughs> the patch is gone. So it was just so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for your obedience. It was, we both got healed in our kitchen. So, yeah. <laughs> so sweet. Wow, hallelujah. Now, I did not tell you the story. I didn't ask Marcella, would you testify to the church? So that, you know, you can applaud me. <laughs> I told you this story to tell you that the Jesus in the Bible is real today. And if he could do it to Marcilla, he can do it to anyone here. Tonight is a night of healing and deliverance. Tonight is a night to expect from Jesus the touch that the leper expected from Jesus in the in, in, in gospel. He said, if you desire, you can make me clean. And the Bible says Jesus touched him and he was made whole. My friend, this evening I want to ask everyone humbly. Jesus did not suffer in vain. He suffered for his body. So that we will live in perfect health. And if anything is robbing you from that perfect health, if any kind of sickness has been tormenting your life and it's been disrupting the rhythm of your life, then tonight it's a good night to receive healing from Jesus. Amen? So can I humbly request anyone who is not feeling well physically, whatever sickness you're going through, tonight Jesus wants to touch you. Would you stand up on your place as we pray for you? Whatever it may be. Bible says every knee will bow before Jesus Christ. Irrespective of that sickness. Irrespective of what that medical condition looks like. No matter what doctors have said. No matter if there is a long history of that sickness in your family. Let me tell you tonight, greater one is here. His name is Jesus. So whether it is a bone condition, skin condition, or any kind of allergy, or whatever it is, whether it is a blood disorder, or a psychological problem, let me tell you, in Jesus' name, there is deliverance for you. So church, I'm going to request you, those who are standing around this precious people, would you just lay your hands upon them and see how the healing virtue of Jesus will touch them tonight.
Tonight this room is going to be flooded with healing testimonies. Because my Jesus is in mood to heal you. Tonight Jesus wants to heal you. Come on. As you are going to that person to lay your hand, ask them what is wrong with them. Ask them what is, what is their name. Talk to them. Ask them what are they suffering from. And it's pretty simple. Call on the name of Jesus and be saved. It's pretty simple. Look to Jesus and see the healing flow through you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead, pray, pray, pray in Jesus' name. Declare the healing upon their body right now. Father, I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Give a shout of praise as you know that you are healed. When you know that you are healed in your body, just give a shout of praise wherever you are. Father, this night by faith in the name of Jesus Christ, we release divine healing in this house, Lord, in the overflow, in every place where people are watching us online. In the name of Jesus Christ, every work of enemy be uprooted in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let people be healed now. In Jesus' name I declare this. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name, we call it done. Amen. Amen. Let's give a loud clap offering to Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, everyone who has been prayed for, just check your body. If there was pain, if you were not able to do something, do something. If you were not able to freely move your body, move it. You know, try to check. Check your body. Do what you were not able to do. And as you begin to do what you were not able to do, you would see divine healing manifest in your body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So tell me, how many of you know in Jesus' name you have been healed? Lift up your hands and show us. After prayer, who have been healed? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Well, I'm so grateful that Upper Room Church has always been like a family, very supportive to us. For last 12 years, I have known Pastor Michael Miller and I've known Peter Lewis and our friendship every time is just deepening deeper. And whenever we come together, it's like something happens. God just expands our heart and expands our vision. My friend, I want to tell you what video, what you saw is the result of 12 years ago, Pastor Michael Miller and I sitting together and dreaming, God, what would it take to bring Upper Room into India? During that time, Upper Room Church was not in this facility. It was in the Oaklawn campus. In a veterinarian place, it was on the first floor. That's where we were. I think it was called Urban Dog or something? That place, city where it was. Yeah, and then there was this cafe. So that's where we were. And I remember talking and dreaming about what would it look like 
to have a house of worship in India. Well, God honored that simple desire of two friends coming together and praying, God, let your grace flow. Today, Upper Room India is in seven locations in India. And I'm so grateful for faithful prayer and partnership of Upper Room Dallas. For their sacrificial giving that has sustained us in most difficult time during pandemic. You know, during pandemic when things were so hopeless and there was death happening everywhere, Upper Room as a family stood with us and we were able to bless more than 1,000 families. Countless people have been fed on a daily basis. And so many, so many lives have been transformed. So I just want to say a big, big thank you to you all for what you're going to do. In days to come, we are believing God for a new facility for Upper Room Churches in India. So I want you to pray about it. Well, without wasting much of the time, I want to take you to the word that God has placed in my heart today. So we're going to recap what we did yes, last Sunday, and we're going to just do part two of that message. If you come with me to Colossians chapter 1, it's just a recap I want to share with you that last week, if you have missed last week's message, it's on YouTube and social media platforms. You can go to Upper Room channels and watch that message. It will really help you to discover how much you have been loved. So when we look into Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 6, you know, Paul is talking to a church in, uh, sorry, Colossians chapter 1, verse number 6. Paul is talking to a church which is going through a, a confusion about their status in the Lord. They don't know if their, their belief is enough. They don't know if Christ is enough. And there is a lot of confusion that they are battling. What should they do in order to have the approval of God? A lot of people have come from different places with false teaching and they have confused the church there. During that time, Ephaphras, who was the pastor of this church of Colossae, he runs to his spiritual father and he goes to his spiritual father with this question. He said, what should I do? And Paul, in response to that confusion, writes book of Colossians. That letter was written to the church of Colossians and that's what we have it here. So when we look into the scripture, if I can have it in passion translation over skin, uh, uh, on the screen, it will be great. Colossians chapter 1, I want to draw your attention to one particular verse. We will look at verse number 9. Colossians chapter 1 verse number 9. Since we first heard about you, we have kept you always in our prayers that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your life, making you reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. In this verse, what Paul is saying, that one of the prayers that I'm praying for you as a church is that God will give you understanding, perfect knowledge of God's pleasure upon your life. When you read this verse in any other translation, the verse actually in other translation apart from Passion Translation says that you may have the perfect knowledge of the will of God. Last week I told you that whenever we come across this word of will of God, we always associate it with what does God want us to do. But what Paul is saying is not that what God wants you to do. He's saying what God thinks about you. You see, before our behavior changes, 
before our walk changes, it is very important that our thinking change. You know, your talk and your walk is the result of what goes on here, what you meditate upon. So it's very important that until and unless I know what my God thinks about me, only then I can translate into my walk. That's how it works. The Bible declares here that he said that you may know how God takes pleasure over you. That word, the will of God, when you look into the root word, it is coming from the root word talima, which actually means pleasure. Intense desire and pleasure. So Paul is saying to the church of Colossians, I want you to know how much God delights in you. And last week we looked into how God really delights in us. You know, second thing that Paul is writing to them in, in Colossians chapter 1 itself, if you come to verse number 21 and 22, you will discover this. Even though you were once distant, in verse number 21 he says, even though you were once distant from him living in the shadow of your own evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence and not and now there is nothing next verse between you and father god for he sees you as holy flawless and restored hallelujah now until and unless you believe in how father sees you you will always live under the shadow of your evil thoughts and actions you see, that's why when Pastor Aaron stood up here, he was compelled by the Spirit to make an announcement. People who have been going through guilt problem in their mind, people who have been going through condemnation in their mind, this is the voice of the enemy chattering in their mind. Their mind has become a machine that echoes the voice of enemy constantly 24-7 and they're not able to live freely even though they are children of God. The problem is because they live under the shadow of what they have done and, and of what they think. My friend, let me tell you something. The Bible declares that our God sees us holy, flawless, and restored. But do you know one thing? Before he sees you holy, before he sees you flawless and restored, there is something that he did. The Bible says he reconnected to us. You see, this holiness is the result of connecting to Christ. There is no such thing about me becoming holy by not thinking bad, me becoming holy by not speaking evil, my, me becoming holy by doing right things. No, 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 that's not the holiness that Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about this kind of flawlessness that God looks upon you is the result of you being united with Christ. And the problem that happens with us, my brethren, is this, that sometimes we take the gospel as an exit ticket from the sinful life, an exit ticket from the hell, an exit ticket from sickness and curse, but we never take it as an entry ticket to become one with Father. So gospel has two parts to it, that God delivers, but he reconnects us with Christ. And until we allow the word of God to do the full work in our life, we are not going to experientially really see holiness, flawlessness, and being restored. 
The only way you're going to make this theology into your practical experience is by your union with Christ. And tonight, I want to talk to you about what amazing provision God made for you and I when he reconnected it to Christ. That we are called to be one in Jesus Christ. God answered the prayer that Jesus made in John chapter 17 when he said, Father, as you and I are one, let them be one in us. And Father said, granted. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you know one thing? This oneness is not the result of your and my desire. It's the result of what Jesus prayed. And as a result, God unites us in him in answering the prayer of his son. Come with me to verse number 28 and 29, Colossians chapter 1. Watch with me carefully what Paul is saying. Colossians chapter 1 verse 28 and 29. Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person, not just some person, not some, some tribe, not just Jewish people, not just Gentiles, not just a particular religious group, not a particular type of personality. No, every person. That every person includes you and I, my brethren. There is no one in this room whom God did not include. If you belong to Christ, if you believe in Christ, the Bible says Christ is our message. It is sad when our pulpits are used to proclaim everything else but Christ. My prayer is, oh God, as Paul was convinced that one thing he exists to preach, and that is Christ. That is Christ. We preach to awaken every heart, bring every person into the full understanding of truth. Do you want to have full understanding of truth? Only the message of Christ can do that. Nothing else can bring you to truth. Nothing else. So self-introspection is not the solution. Yoga is not the solution. Meditation is not the solution. Good practices is not the solution. Doing religion is not the solution. One solution, Christ is our message. Hallelujah. There's only one way that God ordained and it is Jesus Christ the Lord. And this is what Paul is saying, that by preaching that Jesus Christ, not by preaching sin, not by preaching hell, not by preaching condemnation, not by preaching the wrath of God, Jesus never came and said, repent or you will go to hell. His way of preaching was, repent for kingdom of God is near. He never said, repent or you will go to hell. That is not what Jesus came up with. Jesus came with a message of salvation unto us. My friend, the scripture says, it has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity, with his power flowing through me to present every believer. How many believers? Every. Hello, how many? Every. How many believers are there in the house tonight? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Can I see your hands? Now Bible is saying, this is what Paul is writing to Colossians. To present to every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Jesus Christ. My friend, do you know what? Religious people get very angry at this line. 
religion has always been against what Christ wanted to do. Let me tell you one thing. Even now when you preach the truth, religion will attack. No, no, no. They have no problem accepting Father is perfect. They have no problem accepting Jesus is perfect. But they have problem accepting that the church can be perfect. They say, no, 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 no. Only Jesus is perfect. The scripture says, none is righteous. But that's why Jesus came so that he can make you righteous. If you're going to hold on to that school of thought, none is righteous, don't come to church. Don't read Bible. Don't do anything with Jesus. And you will live in that verse. It's sad that how we can cherry pick the scripture to feed the flesh from the word. The word was supposed to feed my spirit. But I hold on making the word and my theology and I will twist it in a way that it will continue to nourish sinful nature in me. The Bible says I didn't know sin until law taught me that. By law I know what sin is. And who gave the law? So did God give a bad thing to me? No. Law came as a diagnostic machine to show you what is wrong with you. But Jesus came as a treatment to heal what was wrong in you. But our problem is we take the diagnostic machine and make that diagnostic machine our treatment. Come on, man. That's just a test to diagnose what is wrong with you. So law was given intentionally to show you how hopeless and miserable you are in sin and you can do nothing about it. Only in Christ there is a hope. So when law tells you you are a sinner, praise God, run to Jesus. I have not come for the healthy, I have come for the sinner. <laughs> Hallelujah. So run to that Jesus. That is why Jesus came. And Paul says it is a revelation. For every believer that they are perfect one in Christ. When you get this revelation, the voice of guilt will stop permanently. When you get this revelation, the voice of condemnation will stop permanently. When you get that revelation, the voice of you know, shame will stop permanently. Accuser will lose his voice in your life because you live in the revelation of Christ. That we are the perfect one in Christ Jesus. And that's what Paul said. And all the apostles in Acts of Apostles said, in him we live and move and have our being. I told you last week, Jews live under the consciousness of law. Gentiles live under the consciousness of self. But we, the redeemed of the Lord, live under the consciousness of Christ. We belong to Christ. We are in Christ. So how does this work together? How do I really make advantage how do how do i really allow these things to fill my heart come with me to the scripture chapter 2 colossians chapter 2 and verse number 6 see this is what paul is writing he's saying in the same way you receive jesus as our messiah by faith continue your journey of faith progressing further into your union with him. See, what is Paul writing to the church? He's saying, hey guys, listen, Jesus has done this for you. He has redeemed you from the shadow of your evil thoughts and if, of your evil thinking and of your evil action. He has reconnected you to himself. He, had, he sees you flawless. He sees you holy. 
He sees you restored now. Because God sees you that, because God has reconnected you, now what you need to do is, by the faith that you receive forgiveness of sin, with that same faith, you also progress and accept the union that is available for you. So when you become one with Christ, you don't have to wait that until one day he will come in the cloud, that day I will become one with him. No. Paul is not writing about the second coming of Christ that one day you will be one with him. He's saying in the same way. In what way? The way you receive forgiveness of sin. How? You put your faith in Jesus Christ. In the same way you received your salvation. In the same way you received your healing. In the same way you received from the Father. The same way you received Jesus as our Lord and Messiah by faith. Continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. Now guess what? When this union happens, when you become one with Father, it will change something about your life. Come with me to verse number 11, chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. Guess what happens? The Bible says, out of the heart flows the issues of life, right? Out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. The Bible says, if a heart is corrupt, the walk of the man is corrupt. Now listen carefully. Sometimes we think, if I change my heart, I can walk in union with Christ. But no, my friend, first you have to come into the union with Christ and the heart will change. Are you understanding? Religion will teach you, qualify for union. Grace says you are qualified for union. Come as you are. And that is the beauty of Jesus. Why is he even called Savior? The simple answer is you don't have to pay any price. If you had to pay any price, he is not the Savior anymore. You are the Savior. Because you are paying price. But the Bible says Jesus is Savior. Let him be who he is. But this is what, I, I don't understand what is so difficult to understand in this. Unless, unless you're still living under what Paul writes, that the God of this world has blinded their eyes that they may not see the truth of the gospel. I pray tonight, every spiritual blindness will leave you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. I tell you one thing. The Bible says that we receive the circumcision of heart. Guess what the circumcision of heart looks like? Every nature in us that came from the fallen nature of man, Adam, that keeps us slave to sin, any kind of nature which is contradictory to the nature of my father, God circumcised my heart and removed it. You know, it's not by my will that happens. It's by my union with Christ, circumcision of heart happens. It's not by my fasting prayer that I'm going to be a changed man. It is by God circumcising my heart that I become a changed man. And how does that happen? By union with Jesus Christ. By simply saying, Lord, here I believe you, Lord. What you said, I believe. They came to Jesus and said, what should we do to do the works of God? He said, believe in me. My believing is doing. 
My friend, look at what scripture says here. That after the circumcision of heart, all of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away. Wow. What does the union with father does? It circumcises your heart. And what does it do? It removes all of the power of guilt and sin. So then you don't require anybody to come and do deliverance ministry for you. If you just simply receive the union with Father, you will not need counseling and deliverance ministry and inner healing. That's all is there because you simply can't believe the gospel. If you simply receive the gospel, inner healing automatically happens. Why? Because the healer walks in. Don't tell me that healer has walked in in you and you still need inner healing classes. You know why? Because you're stuck under the shadow of evil thought and actions. You're still choosing to live with old Adamic nature. If Jesus' crucifixion was my crucifixion and I died, why to live with that old man who died? Nobody takes a dead body and hangs it around the shoulder and keeps walking all the day. <laughs> dead is to be buried. Hello? Don't die in installments, man. Just die. <laughs> no, I just said, you know, we come to church and we say, mm, maybe I'll give this habit now and tomorrow I'll give that and tomorrow I'll give this. Don't die in installments, just die. Crucifixion can't be a year-long process. Even son of God died in three hours. Why are you taking so longer? <laughs> anyway, jokes apart. Well, if you allow union with Christ, it will set you free from every grip of guilt. It will set you free from every sin habit that has kept you captive so long. The union of Christ is amazing. It changes everything about you inside out. Because when I get united to Christ, guess what happens? Simple thing. My nature is powerless before his nature. So the superior one destroys the inferior one. So when my nature and the nature of Christ comes together, is the same miracle that happened in Egypt when the serpent of Moses swallowed every other serpent. So the nature of Christ in me destroys the nature of enemy in me. Now some people look at Romans chapter 6 and 7. They say, look, Paul is saying, but hey, Paul also wrote chapter 8. Paul is not writing that I am that man. Paul is actually personifying it for every one of us and saying this is how it feels like because we are battling with our sin habit and we don't know what to do about it. But see what Paul said in Romans chapter 8 verse number 9. Come with me to Romans 8 verse 9. Some people read Romans chapter 6 and 7 as if that's the end of God's provision. No man. But when the spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the spirit. Let's go to verse number 8. 
for no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the <laughs> Don't go on guilt trip. Paul is saying, hey, in, in, in one chapter earlier, Paul said, what a wretched man I am. Things that I want to do, I'm not able to do. What I don't want to do, that's what I do. There is a law in my flesh. It keeps me captive. This is what Paul is saying. And in 8th chapter, he's saying, those who are controlled by flesh, they can never please God. Paul, what's wrong with you? If you're not free, why are you preaching to us? But Paul is not saying, Paul is showing, this is how I used to be. But see, from this place of being dominated by sin, how did I come to that place that anybody wants to follow Christ, follow me? How to make the transition from that place to this place where I actually live holy, flawless, where I live restored life that my father looks at it. How to take that theology and make it my reality. That is what Paul is writing in 6, 7, and 8 chapter. So when you read, don't just stop at seven and say, even Paul suffered, man, if I suffered, what, what's different? <laughs> even God can't help. See what he's saying. Now go to verse number nine. But when the spirit of Christ empowers your life, aha, when you are unified with Christ, the spirit of Christ empowers your life. When you are unified with Christ, the spirit of Christ empowers your life. And when spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are dominated by the flesh, but by the spirit. And if you are not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. Woo. So what is Bible saying? He's saying if you have received healing, that doesn't mean you belong to him. The only way you know that you belong to him if you're joined with him. Yeah. And those who are joined with him, they never have problems in their life in terms of feelings of rejection because they know they are accepted. They know they belong because they are joined with the Lord. See what happens. Next verse. Now Christ lives his life in you. Who lives? Hello? Do you know when Christ lives his life in you, your life in flesh is inferior to his life in you? And when Christ lives his life in you, guess what happens? When the light flashes, darkness flee. Same thing happens inside of you. When Christ lives, you know, Christ never told you to live right. He said, you die, I will live. That's a good word. Our problem is, no, Lord, I will live. God said, law commanded that thou shall love your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your might. Nobody was able to do it. So God said, okay, simple. You die, I will live that. <laughs> you just die. And I will live my life through you, which is pleasing unto the Father. Yeah. Hallelujah. So see, this is, this is what he's saying. Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin. Listen very carefully what Paul is saying. Even though your body is dead because of the effects of sin. 
His life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by... Huh? If there are effects of sin in my body, how is God fully accepting me? Listen, because God does not relate with you in your flesh. He relates with you with that new spirit that he puts. The spirit of his son. That's why the Bible says he has given us the spirit of his son so that we can call him Abba Father. Amen. Next verse is even beautiful. Verse number 11. Yes, God raised, raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying that simply means, listen, even your body is now addicted to sin habits. Listen carefully. The life in your spirit, which is the life of Jesus, is going to do something inside of you. You know what will it do? That, that life of Christ comes from the resurrection of Christ. And it will dominate your body. Do you see what it says? He will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. It's simple, God. Allow Jesus to live his life in you. It's very simple. How will I be full of Jesus? You know, for many, many years, I've been praying, Lord, I need your fullness. Lord, I need your fullness. Anybody prayed that prayer? I need your fullness? Or only I prayed? I think everybody in our journey of life is said, God, I need your fullness. I need your fullness. I need your fullness. Until Lord opened my eyes, he said, what are you praying, man? Go read Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. So let's read Ephesians chapter 3 verse number 16 onwards. See what Bible declares there. Ephesians chapter 3 verse number 16. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your inmost being with his divine might and explosive power. Hallelujah. Paul is saying, I pray that he would unveil. What does unveiling means? He's not saying that he would install. He's not saying that he would give. He's saying he would unveil. That simply means there is something already there which is wailed. And what is it wailed by? My thoughts. My action. And Paul is saying, I pray that God will unveil. Stop believing every thought that comes in your mind. Look to the scripture. This is what he says about me. That there is an unveiling. This evening I pray, Lord, let there be an unveiling in every heart in this place. Let them see the deposit of the Spirit in them the day Jesus walked in their life. So that they may understand the union with Father. The Bible says, I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory. Hello? What does that even look like? Oh no, pastor, God gives his glory without measure to Jesus. Then Paul needs counseling. He wrote it wrong. He said unlimited. What does that mean? Hello? Unlimited in America means differently? No. Unlimited is unlimited. That means you choose to decide how much you want. God is in no shortage of providing glory. Do you know one thing? We say, Lord, give me your glory. God said, unveil. 
Lord, let your glory fall. God said, where? Christ in you is the hope of glory. We are waiting for him to fall and reign glory. He's saying, let the glory flood out of you. Unveil it. We got our equations wrong. The Bible declares he has kept his glory in the earthen vessel, no longer in heaven. We have to understand that God's glory deposit is no longer in heaven, it is in you. Look to your neighbor and say that God's glory resides in you. But there is an evil shadow of our thinking. There is an evil shadow of our feeling. There is an evil shadow because we are focused on self and the effects of sin in our body. We don't walk in that glory that God wants us to walk in. If we can just let go of our body and let go of our thinking and let go of our feeling and tap in into that spiritual source that God has given to us, our life will never be the same again. Hallelujah. Next verse, please. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. How do you access to this? Simple, by constantly staying in faith. If the facts are against your faith, don't believe the facts, believe the faith. If your feelings are against the faith, don't believe feelings, believe faith. Your thoughts are against what God said. Don't believe it. Believe what God is saying. You know, because this is what is so amazing. That Bible is saying, through that union, these things are possible. Come with me to Colossians chapter 2 quickly. Are you enjoying it? If you don't enjoy, I enjoy. Let's read from verse number 12. For we have been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into his death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power. The power that raised him from death's realm. Next verse. This realm of death describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp. But now we have been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return, for we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. Do you see that? That when God crucified Jesus Christ and when Jesus died, my old nature died. And if you believe Jesus died, you should believe you died. Because if you believe Jesus died and you didn't die, you're not really understanding the crucifixion. Because on the cross, not only the Son of God was there, it was also your and my old nature which was nailed to the cross. Never to be retrieved back. See what he's saying. Never to return. That means when I become born again, every possibility of returning back to the old life, God has shut it off. The only reason you're still living in that old nature is because you believe in it. And you have kept it alive. Just know it's dead. And you're free from the grasp of it. Forever alive and forever forgiven. Aha. I like that word. 
What does forever mean in America? Until next sin. Huh? Does forever mean until next mistake? Or does forever mean like really forever? Huh? The Bible says the salvation that God gave me is a permanent thing. But yet the church have taught us you can lose it. You know you can only lose it if you continue to believe anything outside Jesus Christ. But if you are in Christ, there is no chance of losing it because it's permanent deal in Christ. This is what I love about what Jesus has done for our life. Next verse, let's, let's read verse number 14. Verse number 14, please. Yeah, sometimes our system also gets hanged. God wants to download, but our system gets hanged. But this is what he said. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Hello? Who erased it? Why are you keeping it alive? If Jesus erased every work of enemy, every accusation he erased, why are you keeping it alive? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It's time that you say, Lord, if you erased it, why should I keep it? And just walk free out of it. You don't need someone to set you free. You're already free. You know, there was a man. He had a bear. And he kept in that bear since childhood in a cage. So that bear would just walk like this, 10 feet. And then there was this iron bars. And he will turn around and walk like this. All his life he just did from bar to bar. One fine day this man said, you know what, I'm going to set this bear free. So he takes him into jungle and opens the door, brings that bear out and said, bear, now you are free. But you know what that bear did? He walked and then he turned around and walked backward. And then he turned around and he walked backward. The man got so frustrated, he shot him. Why? Because I set him free. He's not even going anywhere. He's just stuck there. But thank God, my God is not like that. He said, I will not shoot you, but I will renew your mind. Our problem is Jesus has set us free, but we still go into those habits. Because I am used to it. And then we still go to that habit. But God has set you free, my brothers. Come on. There is freedom in Christ. Never to go back to that bondage. Never to go back to that habit. There is total freedom with Jesus and permanent freedom. Just be free. See what it says here. He erased it all. What all? Our sins. How many of you are glad that in heaven there is no record for your sin? Hello? Hello? The only record of your sin is in the church. People keep record of what wrong you have done. And you keep record of what wrong you do. 
Serve God is simply saying, hey, walk free of human expectation. Believe my word. This is what he's saying, our, our sins and our stained soul. What is that soul? Our memories, our feelings, our decision-making ability, our ability to think and plan. He's saying everything that sin has stained, God has erased and deleted it. And he has given you a mind of Christ. Stop using your own mind. Use the mind of Christ that is free of guilt, free of shame, free of everything. Hallelujah. And see what it says here. He deleted it all and they cannot be. What does that mean? Control, alter, delete. They cannot be. It's gone. Then why do you keep associating with that old nature which is permanently dealt with on the cross? Oh, brother, but what to do, man? I, I, I'm just a human being. Read your Bible right, my brother. See what it says. He cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in. Hello? Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto the cross and nailed permanently there as a public display. Everything you were in Adam... Come with me to 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 45. See what it says. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 45. It's a beautiful scripture passage. I love it. It's coming, it's coming. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 45. All right, thank you so much. Okay, can we all read it together? Go ahead, read it together. For it is written, the first man Adam became a living soul, the last Adam became the life-giving spirit. Now please understand, the second Adam or the last Adam is Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, we have already read that, you know, we have nothing to do with the old Adam. And look at what Bible is saying here. Can I have both of you come up on stage, please? Just stand up on there. Now listen carefully. We are gonna we're gonna make imagine he is first Adam, and this one is second Adam. <laughs> Alright. So just just imagine. Alright. Now, what is Bible saying? That he became living soul when God breathed. He became a living soul. But when God breathed here, he became a life-giving spirit. He was just alive. He could not give life. But this one has authority to give life. You see? Now, now watch what happens. Next verse, please. Verse 46. However, the spiritual did not come first. The natural came first. Next, next verse. The first man was from the dust of the earth. The second man is the Lord Jehovah from the realm of heaven. Hallelujah. Now listen what it says. Verse number 48. 
the first one made from the dust has a race of people just like him who are also made from dust they have same feelings they have same emotions they have same shortcomings they can make same choices that this adam made why because they carry his dna but watch what he says the one sent from heaven has a race of heavenly people who are just like him hello Jesus is not the only one who came from heaven. He made a generation here on earth and made them people from heaven. So what Jesus did, when we, when we have union with Christ, what really happens? God cuts our umbilical cord from Adam and he connects our umbilical cord to Jesus. Hello? Are you understanding? That's why the Bible says his life flows in us. Now watch what Bible says. Next verse. Once we carried the likeness of the man of dust, now let us carry the likeness of the man of heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, God has this expectation. Out of the union, first thing that needs to happen is union. Once the union with Christ happens, the likeness of walking in Jesus is possibility. You understanding? It's pretty simple. You take an extension board. If it is not connected to the socket, supply of electricity doesn't come. Once it is connected to the socket, then the supply comes. And how much supply? As much supply is there in the socket, same amount of electricity comes on, on your extension board. It's the same thing. When I'm unified with Christ, his life and my life don't look different. They look exactly the same. Why? Because I am dead and now he lives his life through me. You understanding? Thank you so much. Please be seated. I love the scripture passage. He said, once we carried the likeness. So when, when we are redeemed in the Lord, we carried the likeness of Adam in his weaknesses and his problems. But now, we carry the likeness of Christ. No wonder John writes and he says that as he is, so are we in this earth. We are one with Christ, my friend. And tonight, I want to leave you with this encouragement. God has done his part. Would you do your part of divorcing that old Adam? You say, yeah, yeah, I have divorced him. Then stop consulting him how to live with new Adam. You know, sometimes we Christians, we live it in such a miserable way. Imagine somebody had a divorce. And the old husband was very bad. He only accused. He only found, you know, found faults with that person. And suppose that husband was never good. Very nasty husband. Very cruel. Always found shortcomings. Now you are divorced with that husband. You found new husband who is loving, gentle. He's kind and patient. But you know your problem is you consult that whole husband how to make this husband happy. Do you see what frustrating way of living is that? We consult our old self and define how we are doing spiritually. Hello? Stop consulting yourself. Take the word of God and the spirit of the Lord and live a beautiful life that God has given to you. Free of sin, free of guilt, free of condemnation. Tonight, 
Jesus wants to say, not only my blood will clean you, but my fellowship will keep you clean. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says, he who is joined to the Lord has become one spirit with him. It's not two spirit, my spirit and his spirit. No, my spirit dissolves in his spirit and is only his spirit now living in me. How beautiful provision heaven made on earth. What a beautiful privilege Jesus gave to us. That's why he says, be partakers of the divine nature of God that is given to us through these wonderful promises. We are partakers of the divine nature of God because Jesus made it possible for us. So my friend, tonight I want to ask you, how many of you really want this wonderful union with Christ? How many of you are willing to say, give divorce and permanent goodbye to your old self and say, Jesus, no longer I identify with my old nature, which is crucified with Christ, it's gone. I now belong to the resurrected one and I will live with him. Lift up your hands if this is you. If that is what your desire is, stand up on your place and we are going to close this time in prayer. Hallelujah, Jesus. My friend, let me tell you, supernatural life becomes natural when you're unified with Christ. Holiness is your natural life when you are unified with Christ. Purity is natural when you're unified with Christ. You know, walking in glory is natural when you're unified with Christ. Because everything that Christ ever has, he has freely given to you. It's freely given to you. And tonight, as you stand, have your expectation in God. Where is he? In you. Just let that veil come out so that the glory of Christ be revealed in you. My encouragement to you is, every one of you take time and study the letter written to Colossians and may Holy Spirit guide you in deeper truth. Can we close our eyes for, for, for a minute? Just think about it. He found me as a sinner. He didn't just ask me, where are your accusers? He said, me, come here, become one with me. There are deeper waters to tread upon. He's calling you deeper with him. So much close that you and I become one. Jesus said, I in you and you in me. Father, tonight, oh God, we, your children, we stand because of what you have done. And tonight we surrender our life to you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your word is truth and your word sets us free, oh Lord. Tonight, every heart which has received your word, let the circumcision of heart happen. And I pray, Father, that everyone be unified with Christ. That we will walk in perfect harmony with you. That our walk will resemble Jesus Christ out of the union with Christ. Father, I thank you. May this message continue to germinate its fruit until the coming of the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. May God bless you. Thank you, sir.